Orlando, Florida is the theme park capital of the world, but it's actually so much more than that. We cover all things real estate, theme parks, and the stories that make living in Orlando such a fun place. This is the Orlando Real Podcast. It was all started by a month. Uh, it was interesting. I, w- I was going off, uh, kind of going through a few different filings over the past week and news stories. And one of the things that came up was this live, what is this called? I want to make sure. Florida's Live Local Act. And apparently this happened a month ago, but it was really not covered that much, especially in the Orlando area. Uh, it was really covered mostly in uh, Miami and in West Palm and, and that sort of thing. And so the more I started seeing it come up in filings in Orlando, the more interesting it got to me. And so uh, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about a $1.7 billion budget for the city of Orlando. What does that mean for us? And a couple other things. So let's get into it. We do have some people watching live. Chris checking in from Athens, Alabama. I appreciate that. You know the drill. That means a lot. I know I know we're not going to have a ton of people because most people are working tonight. And that's our today. Good for you guys, for sure. But uh, for those that are watching, I appreciate you dropping in. Where you're watching from today. I love to see who's consuming our content, where they're coming from. That means a lot. So uh, Momo says, checking in from NYC, but planning to move to Orlando soon. So let's go first and foremost, like this Florida live local act because i think it's a big deal and it's something that you'll see you'll see why in a minute so land near orlando executive airport eyed for new apartments inspired by live local act and then i noticed that uh, unicorp mr chuck Woodall, had mentioned he's going to put in some new high-end restaurants and a parking garage over in dr phillips and some of the local neighbors you can see if you're watching over on youtube this is what the restaurant looks like and he's like hey listen we need more and more nicer restaurants drawing people over this is over on restaurant row which is already going to uh, draw a good crowd but you bring in three more high-end restaurants and parking i think this is great over on sand lake and dr phillips but it was interesting because he said, hey, I bought this land for $2 million back in, I don't know, 2012, 2000, let's see. Uh, he bought it for $2 million a long time. Uh, he's owned it since 19, or 2002, there we go. And there's been a bank on the corner. He's going to be tearing it down. And some of the locals are not super happy that he's going to be tearing this down and building restaurants there. And, uh, and he said, well, I could just do the Live Local Act and build a high-rise tower there. You don't want that, do you? No, I don't think so. You probably want the restaurants, don't you? And so I was like, interesting. I'm seeing this more and more. And so we should dive into it. So what is actually the Live Local Act? Well, apparently there's this new law that DeSantis put into play. It was also a bipartisan law. And essentially it says that if you are a developer, we need more workforce housing. We need more affordable housing in Central Florida, well, all over Florida, because so many people have moved here. Uh, According to Channel 6, I was reading uh, just the other day, they said that 315,000 people moved to Florida just last year alone. So many of those are in Central Florida, somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 people moving here every single week. And, uh, And so because of that, we need more properties. We need more places for these people to live. And so, uh, basically the, the governor and the, 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 the state house said, Hey, we're going to get together and we're going to put out this new law that if you're a developer and you want to put at least a, like you want to put up new apartment buildings that are going to be workforce housing, affordable housing, uh, we will allow you to waive the process of rezoning as long as the land is already zoned for, uh, manufacturing, industrial or commercial. So you're not going to take residential single family 
and then go put a thousand units up. You have to kind of keep roughly commercial in the area, but they're going to give you tax incentives to do this and they're going to make it really, really easy for you. So we're already starting to see firms from all over the country start to look coming here. Nashville, people coming from Nashville, Atlanta, New York, uh, Dallas, all of these new places coming here. And we're going to just talk about some different stories and where these might end up. Uh, and so they're basically saying that if you, if you offer workforce housing, which I had to go look up, like what is exactly worse workforce housing, what constitutes affordable housing? Is it like, you know, is it just apartments or is it like have to have some sort of threshold of what makes it workforce housing or not? So according to the Urban Land Institute, workforce housing is defined as uh, housing affordable to households earning between 60 and 120% of the area median income or AMI. Workforce housing targets middle income and middle income workers and professionals such as police officers, firefighters, teachers, healthcare workers, retail clerks, like the uh, retail folks, um, and people that don't qualify for lower subsidized housing credits like uh, formerly called Section 8. And so basically, if you're making enough money that you don't afford, you can't get the Section 8, but you don't make enough to really crush it and buy the average house in an area, you fall into that medium area, that's workforce housing. And so as long as they offer 30% of the new development towards workforce housing, it will qualify and these developers are going to be able to crush it. They're going to be able to make, you know, four, five, 600 units in some areas say, hey, listen, 30% of its workforce housing, which could be like a studio or a one bedroom apartment. The rest of them could be some of these crazy nice apartments that we're seeing pop up. They get tax incentives. They don't have to worry about the crazy uh, overall permitting process. It goes a lot easier for them. And you're going to start seeing these pop up. So I was looking at uh, Growth Spotter today, and this is why I saw another one of these. Osceola County gets its first Live Local Act application and it's not a hotel conversion. And I was like, interesting. So they're already looking at what other things could we convert? It's, it might not even just be from the ground up. How do we take old apartments and turn them into something new? How do we take old hotels or maybe even office space, which we're seeing a lot of in New York and turn that into this live local act? I think this is gonna be really interesting for housing in general, trying to offer a few more options for people. But Osceola County gets its first live local act application and it's not a hotel conversion. Uh, basically they're saying that there's a, they, they thought originally there was going to be this 444 room hotel in celebration that would get converted into affordable housing. This thing is, they're saying it's at celebration, but it's kind of down 91, down 192, not the greatest holiday in. I've actually been, I saw, um, is it not, not Bill Burr, Bill, Bill Gurr, the guy who like founded the monorail and all that stuff at Disneyland. I saw him here and I was like, this hotel is not awesome. <laughs> like this needs to be turned into something or remodeled. And so that's exactly what they're trying to do is turn it into some sort of uh, possible conversion. But basically over this, this person said, Hey, we're going to, they're coming from Georgia and they're looking at a 12 acre site over on Boggy Creek to put in 372 unit apartments. They purchased the two adjacent parcels in 2022 for $3 million. And now they're going to be moving forward and saying that they want to uh, turn it into this live local act. Um, I was looking at other places. There's this land near Orlando executive airport that's eyed for new apartments inspired by the live local act. Uh, this is going to be 200 apartments. 
And uh, and sorry, it says I said thirty percent earlier. It needs to be forty percent of the units need to be live local or workforce housing uh, to get approved. But they're everywhere. They're popping up all over, and this is really going to be interesting. I know down in Miami, they're nervous about this because you have some of these uh, single story kind of residential areas right next to commercial, and so a developer technically could come in, grab some commercial, put up a fifteen story building right in a residential area without too much pushback. And so that's going to be sort of some of the things that the local municipalities are trying to figure out. How is this going to affect sort of our daily life, traffic, um, just the overall makeup of different neighborhoods, especially some of these older neighborhoods? Very, very interesting. Let's check in with some of the people watching. Paul, good day, mate from, good day. I said, I totally did not do that justice, I'm sure. Uh, so good day, mate from Berkeley. Australia. Good to see you. Ned Kelly checking in from the capitalized of the capital of civilized world. I believe he's over in the UK. Um, uh, hey, Ken, Jersey Mike checking in from Davenport, your house, your colleague, Susanna got us. Congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, Kim is checking in from Connecticut. Good to see you and a whole bunch of other people. That's so cool for a Thursday midday. That definitely means a lot. So let me know what you think down below. Is this an interesting thing? I had not heard a lot about this live local act. I'm going to be interested to see how this changes. Now, listen, with this many people moving to the area, um, one of the main thing I, things I talk to about with developers is how slow everything is. Going for permitting, going for rezoning, going for all this other stuff. Land is already super expensive. And so by the time they finally build something, they need to be able to cash flow. And rates are what they are right now. And so a lot of these people, uh, a lot of these developers are like, hey, listen, I can't, I can't afford to build something new and nice on a premium piece of land and then also offer reasonable rents. And so it's, it's an interesting kind of cycle that we're going through. It'll see, it'll be interesting to see if this actually solves anything or creates more problems than it's worth. We will see, we'll see. We're gonna look up and find out. $1.77 billion uh, Orlando budget includes 20 new police officers in fast growing Lake Nona. Uh, this story was a lot more than just the 20 new officers over in Lake Nona to me. I thought it was really interesting. So $1.77 billion in spending plan that includes 68 more public safety employees, including which is 15% more than last year. So a lot more police people, which is, I think, great. Um, of the new hires, 53 are sworn police officers, nine are civilian police employees, six are civilian fire rescue workers, uh, and more. And so they're actually going to be putting 20 more of these police officers in the Lake Nona area. I say, hey, listen, it's the fastest growing part of the city. Why not put more people here? And so people might be saying, like, where are they going to come up with the money for all of these new police officers and all these new city officials? They have to raise taxes for this, right? Well, no. In fact, um, it looks like the taxes are going to stay almost exactly where they are. Well, exactly where they have been for the past decade, $6.65 per $1,000 of taxable value uh, because there's been over, there's been so much new construction in Orlando that there's going to be $321 million. There's going to be $321 million of new revenue to the city, which is a 14% increase over last year, just because of the new houses in the area. So they're add, they're able to add more police officers, more fire workers, more all this other stuff because of the intact, the, the increased, uh, taxes that they're bringing in the coffers without raising taxes. I think that's amazing. That's seems like the thing to do now. What we do need to keep up with is now schools and roads and infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. And that's the one thing people complain about the most about a booming city like ours. Hey, we move here, there's all these new houses and yet 
there's not a lot of the, the other stuff that we need, the infrastructure. But here's the thing, they need the taxes to be able to pay for all of that stuff. And so it's not like all these cities are flush with cash where they're like, hey, we can go build all of this stuff before we approve new houses. Unfortunately, it's got to get a little messy before it can get better. And so that's kind of, uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, one of the other things that popped up over the past week, finally, finally, we've been talking about this for what seems like forever, is the Florida Brightline train is officially launching its Orlando service on September 22nd. And here's what you need to know. Uh, it's going to be running from, well, open and finally, and you guys have seen all of these different things. Um, they're going to run from $79 for adults, $39 for kids for a one-way fare. The premium first-class offering is $149 each way. You can also book and save for groups of four. So this is really set up for you know, couple, two couples going. Uh, it could be a family of four uh, where they're going to give you 25% booking. And it's like, I think it's going, let's see where, where it ends up being. It's actually, it's actually not terrible for families. And so I was going through some of the different conversations and uh, NPR actually put out a whole thing about all aboard uh, the whole, it's what it's called for in Orlando with this whole new train. So all aboard Florida professor breaks down the bright lines expected impact. And uh, so Talia Blake from NPR interviewed somebody from Stetson University and his whole take, uh, Professor Randall Kroom said, hey, listen, I think that this is going to be dual full. This is going to make Orlando and Miami not seem as far apart anymore. And it's hopefully going to give some upper, upward mobility to people that are working in the area. So they, they did a study, it says here, that if you don't have a car, you have access to about 5,000 jobs in Central Florida. But you have, if you have a car, you have access to over 500,000 jobs. And so Brightline might not fully alleviate that issue. But if you start making parts of Florida seem a little bit smaller by using some of these things. And my question, though, is that if you don't have a, a car, can you afford a bright line ticket every day to get to work? Probably not. Uh, and so I think that that little point is, is an interesting one. But I do think that some of the urban dwellers that might live in Central Florida and in Orlando over on the coast or down in Miami, maybe we start to feel a little bit more interconnected and that's just good for everybody. I was actually down in Miami last week. I had a little uh, engagement down there with my firm and it took me like three and a half hours to get home. And I was like, I could be getting so much work done right now if I didn't have to drive. And so in those situations, I will 100% take the bright line down to Miami or West Palm, grab an Uber, and maybe it's a little bit more expensive, but I'll get my time back. And to me, uh, I think that will be more than worth it. Uh, so anyways, let's check in with a couple other people and we're gonna kind of wrap up for today. I just had a few stories I wanted to get out as they kind of came here. Margie checked in from Lake Nona, Ben's checking in from West Virginia. Um, so Ma uh, Momo says they're talking about getting rid of the middle class. Sounds like this would be the start. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the middle. So this is this is kind of like the middle class is is workforce housing. You know, this is it sucks because they're not owning anything, man. That's what I'm most concerned with is that they're they're doing all of these things to help people with rent, which is fine. But we have to figure out something where we can get some easier access to people to buy something. If the more you own a house, that's how you're building wealth. There's something there's there's multiple studies you can check out there, but the average homeowner has something like a 30 to 40 times net worth than a renter. And that's just simply because, you know, you stay in the same place, you build up equity, you've got tax write-offs, there's all these different kinds of things. Um, and so what's unfortunately happening is you're 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 making the middle class a generation of renters. Um, is it a band-aid? Or is it a solution? I'm not 100% sure, um, but obviously, personally, I'm hoping that we can create more opportunities for 
new construction, very similarly the way that we're doing for making it so easy to do apartments that it would be so easy to build houses because we're still millions and millions of houses behind as a country because of the lost decade from the last recession. And so, yeah, that's my, my stance. What's up, Tim from Horizon West? Good to see you, sir. Uh, so that's the majors for today. Uh, I appreciate you guys checking in this mid Thursday kind of deal. Live Local Act, interesting. A lot more police officers and a and a bit, much bigger budget, fifteen percent bigger budget, uh, and a lot more co money coming in the coffers for the city of Orlando. I think that's good. More restaurants coming to Restaurant Row, and the Bright Lines finally opening. So that's pretty cool. Oh, the last thing. This is an, I thought was an interesting one. I was going through the pre-design. This is like something I do every week to prep. And it looks like there's a lot of interesting things coming. So they got Space Center is expanding. They had a billion dollars to just get approved over there. Um, but this is an interesting one. I, I actually reached out to the people, if you're watching this or you know anybody that's part of it, uh, you got the World Trade Center mixed use master project. There's 200 million plus two more 50 million, a $300 million office tower and hotel coming to 32804, which is College Park. And so I'm actually reaching out to these people trying to figure out what else is going on. But it's amazing to me that even though money is crazy expensive, I'm still seeing more and more stuff coming down the pipeline in pre-design because I think most of these developers are looking at, hey, if we start pre-design now, we start working on rezoning now, in two, three years when we're ready to pull the trigger on some of these huge projects, hopefully money's a little bit cheaper and we can continue to flow. So we'll see how it goes. But anyways, that's it from this, uh, this edition of Orlando Real Live. I appreciate you all very much. See you. If you've ever thought about moving to Orlando or you're looking to buy or sell a house anywhere, my team and I, we'd love to be your real estate resource of choice. The Posit Group, we've got over 500 five-star reviews and we're helping people from all around the world find home in Orlando. Make sure you reach out, info at posicgroup.com. We'll see you guys in the next episode.